0: The following episode of the 9pm edict contains strong language. Not much, but enough to make my existence worthwhile. The robot uprising will never be defeated.
1: Sunday, the 13th of September 2015. The Cabbage for Immigration and Border Protection makes an apology. Obviously it was a private conversation. I should have realised uh, the, 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 uh, the mic was there and... Uh, didn't, it was uh, directly behind me, Uh, but I made a mistake. I apologise to anyone who's taken offence to it. Uh, It was a
2: light-hearted discussion with uh, the PM and uh, I didn't mean any offence to anyone. If people have taken offence, then uh, they should uh, accept my apology.
1: And there's some useful lifestyle tips from Western Sydney. Wear more clothes, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is... The 9pm Public House Forum recorded on Saturday, the 12th of September, before a live audience of sorts. The thing I want to make quite clear is this is a private conversation between myself and the Prime Minister, and I do not wish to speak about it uh, anymore except for the fact that we have microphones here and we are in the Australian Arms Hotel in Penrith for something called the 9pm Edicts Public House Forum. And uh, please welcome the panel as I will introduce them in a moment. I'm going to say his name wrong deliberately the first time to, to cover up the fact that I've got it wrong. Elisha
2: Pierce. Thank you very much for having me.
1: For, uh, from, I should say, Fairfax Community News, which uh, yep, means he's right. responsible for all that crap that turns up on your front lawn yeah, each yeah.
2: week. it's your mulch. It's your mulch. That's okay. what I make.
1: He's one of Australia's finest mulch journalists. <laughs> we also have Ginevra Martin, who Hello. is both a textile designer and in a former life, an IT lawyer. Yeah. Oh, dear. Please tell us about that.
0: Um. That was a lot of fun, doing technology contracts from, for large systems. When basically, you only go to a lawyer if you want to pay a lot and if the thing you're building is worth a lot. Excellent. And she can then wrap the whole thing in coloured fabric <laughs> and make it go
1: away. Also with us is Carl Sinclair, who is a seminarian in the Diocese of Bathurst. He's about half a priest. So welcome, <laughs> half a priest, Carl Sinclair. It's a pleasure to be here still. And uh, last but by no means least, Dr. Cat Dory, who is both a tuna fish and science <laughs> advisor to Greenpeace's Tuna Fish Project. So that's that's a bonus for her. She's a correct Thank species. Thank you very much. She's welcome, <laughs> Cat Dory. Now we are here in Penrith, in Sydney's West, and I've specifically chosen this location, because we keep hearing that this is somehow representative of the entirety of Australia. Elisha, I'll start with you on this, and we'll go around the panel. What does
2: Penrith mean to you? Um, Penrith, well, I grew up in the very low Blue Mountains around Blacksland and Mount Riverview, so Penrith for me is the place I go to for, I went here for school, um, at a school in Mulgoa. Um, it's where I go to meet with friends, where I met a lot of my friends. So Penrith actually was a destination for me, not just a place. That's, I suppose, a uh, marketing construct, like it is for most of Australians. A marketing construct. Yeah, In yeah.
1: what way is Penrith a marketing well,
2: construct? Well, wider, broader than that, Western Western Sydney, I think, is a marketing construct um, that politicians as well have cottoned onto. So they can just say Capital W Western Sydney, which isn't a thing, and it means something, and then they can just move on to the next thing because they've ticked off their little. Marketing slogan. I can see nods around the
1: table. Ginevra, you'd agree with that?
0: Yeah, I think so. I mean, particularly when you read where they say Western Sydney is and then you read the suburbs and you go, huh? Because It's anywhere it from like, anywhere. <laughs>
1: to Glebe
0: to Blacksland. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and how far north and south do we go and still be west? Oh, it's oh anything. You could oh, go to Perth, can't you? It well, uh, depends we, if we <laughs> use the... We could we go to Perth. I'm trying to think of a reason why you'd want to do that. But... I, I, Yes, we could. Uh, Carl Bathurst is Bathurst in Western
3: Sydney. Well, no, Bathurst is not in Western Sydney. But having grown up in Toongabi, Penrith to me is oh god, oh I, I mean... oy, oy, oy. <laughs> <laughs> Penrith to me is a place further west than Toongabi. So when people would call me a Westie, I could say, well, at least I wasn't as far west as Penrith. Um, it's an interesting little place, Penrith. I didn't have a lot to do with coming out this far growing up, but recently a couple of my friends have moved out here. A couple of my very good friends, and so. My friend Alison, actually, who moved here recently, when she moved here, said to me, I think I have to deal with the fact that I'm now from Penrith. And you take from that what it it means, what it will. It's... It's Penrith. It's a bit of an enigma. Well, look,
1: someone you know when I when I said we were going to be in Penrith today, Mm. someone who I won't name to protect him, but James Turner said, "I love to come, but I'm not allowed in Penrith. I haven't had my initiatory knife fight and glassing."
0: Well, see, I think
1: that's a bit of an overstatement of Penrith.
3: You're going to find more of that like a little bit east of Penrith, really, which is which is fine. Name name names name places. Well, I mean, you can't help but think of Mount Druid or places like that. Not, Not 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 to say that there's anything wrong with Mount Druid. I've had some wonderful experiences in Mount Druid. I think, I think Mount Druid is overstated in terms of its, um, you know, westiness.
1: But... I want to come back to these wonderful experiences in Mount Druid.
4: Well, okay,
3: I'm, I'm overstating the wonderful experience. I think I, I saw a few good movies there at some point, but, you know, movies are good, but, you know... Pen- Penrith is Penrith. It's, it's this enigma that sort of, I mean as you say the politicians always refer to it but I don't even think they really know what they mean when they when they talk about Penrith mm. and the western suburbs. Kat, what's Penrith to you?
5: It's kind of just another suburb of out of Sydney. I mean I I grew up in Hornsby so we're kind of like out in the northern burbs and um, so I kind of been to Penrith a few times to well to get to the Blue Mountains or to go to the rock climbing centre or to come to the pub on a Saturday when someone invites me. But yeah you know, I, but this I haven't is a really... fair
1: haul today from Hornsby.
5: Yeah, it's a, it's a little bit of a trek. Two trains. But only took me an hour, so
1: Only an hour. Only an hour. Yeah. I mean that's uh, quite a lot with some people, it's isn't it?
5: A, you know, read a book, check out <laughs> check out what's going on in the Twitter world. Well
1: how do you feel about then when the politicians focus on Penrith as a place and, and Rooty Hill and this is the this is what Australia is somehow. Do you have that feeling that this is
5: yeah, represented they, they in Australia? definitely do I don't know that it represents Australia. I mean it's I don't know Penrith that well, but, you know, walking around it feels like quite a lot of suburbs I've been to. But like I kind of wonder about how Any of the politicians really understand what the average person is, whether they're in from Penrith or Hornsby. To be honest, if they think that uh, poor people don't drive cars and (laughs) anyone can afford a house if they've got a job, then they're not really in contact with any real person in Australia.
1: What's the fishing like in Penrith?
5: (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, I haven't
1: haven't seen any tuna around here at all. This is clearly a serious problem. It is. uh, We've clearly
5: overfished. Yes. Clearly overfished. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs>
1: oh, too too, many, many, whales, too many, many
5: seals, they've eaten all the fish, that's oh right. right. Damn. So they, the Opera House
1: really does need to take a good, long, hard look at itself, allowing that seal to sit there on the steps, doesn't it? <laughs> it's dangerous. dangerous. Dangerous to
5: let them get settled in like that. Dangerous. Alright.
1: Oh, Why, what do they do?
5: Well, they'll, just, they'll eat all the fish, and once they've done that, they'll start on you.
1: Right. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a
5: doomsday. <laughs> Look, I'm, look
1: I'm, Greenpeace needs to get onto this properly. I don't, I don't, I don't think that they're paying enough attention to the scientific mm. advice you give them, can they?
5: Okay? No, clearly not. Thank God for that. More
1: <laughs> seriously, I, I love myself a bit of uh, bluefin tuna. How much of an evil person am I on a scale of 1 to 10? 15. I'll be asking Carl the same okay. question in a minute.
5: Blue- yeah, definitely for 15. bluefin. Yeah, bluefin's critically endangered, mate. Not all
1: of the species are bluefin. There's things called bluefin um, that are not...
5: There's three different species of bluefin. Right. One is vulnerable to um, what well, they call it vulnerable to extinction, which is basically one step below endangered. One's endangered and one's critically <laughs> it's endangered, fine, isn't it? <laughs> it's down to four percent, and there's no management plan to fix that. And they're still fighting about how much to keep fishing. So it's it's pretty screwed. They're yeah, pretty <laughs> there's other stuff to eat out there. Leave like the what? bluefin like alone. What? what should I eat? Well, if, if you like if you like tuna. <laughs>
1: Dolphin from the audience. If I don't you know have, that to I have to have a, a bit, bit of
5: sushi, then have some Australian caught yellowfin.
1: Ah, okay. Yellowfin's quite good. Thank you very
5: much. Elephant's doing better.
1: Okay, <laughs> okay, Carl. From a theological point of view, if I eat <laughs> if I eat these things to extinction, how evil am I? I mean, didn't didn't didn't? Isn't there something about you know well, God's creation is for us and dominion uh, and all of there's that? There's a stuff, particularly provocative. You
3: there's a particular provocative line in um, in the Pope's Ration Encyclical where it basically says that God cries out every time a species dies. So if you're helping that happen, I mean, you decide how evil you are, but that's up to you, I guess.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh,
2: okay. How evil do you <laughs> want to be? <laughs>
1: well, I, I don't know. I mean, the, 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 this new Pope is changing all the categories. I don't know what to believe anymore. <laughs> yeah. And I'm not Catholic anyway, so I said, why does it even matter? Well, the letter was to everybody, so you it know. was so. an open letter from the. That's yeah. exactly right. It was so a- he's one step above those people who write into the Daily Telegraph. That's it. it? That's it. <laughs> he just he has
2: his own publication,
1: so he just puts it out. His <laughs> own. Yeah, he does do pretty well. Are you a fisherman, Alicia?
2: Not even a little bit.
1: Oh, right, no. <laughs> no, I won't come back. I to like you. sushi though. Oh yeah. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You can join me on the Evil Boys page oh, yeah, you know. over here.
0: Ginevra, like a bit of sushi? Oh yeah, I like sushi. Right. Okay,
1: you can join us on the evil person's table as well.
0: But I don't really mind what it's made of, so long as it's reasonable. Okay.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, So so long as it's not whale, okay, or something else. I don't
0: think those bits of yes,
2: no. What's the loyally official definition of reasonable?
0: I mean, oh yeah, you know, cardboard. people in the street. No <laughs> food street. stuff.
1: People in the street. No, 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 no. Just your That's regular, what reasonable is, isn't
0: it? It's the reasonable person <laughs> in the street would think that. Blah, blah. Just the reasonable. Oh, person. <laughs> oh I, I thought you
1: were suggesting <laughs>
0: that we eat the some reasonable said, people. <laughs> people. <laughs> <laughs> Sadly, I'm not going to be
2: eating
0: are people. They doing the problem, I
1: guess. Okay, is vegetarian sushi actually a thing or an abomination in the sight of God? I like it. Okay.
0: <laughs> it's great. Um, it's great.
1: You're a vegetarian. So I'm a vegetarian,
0: aren't
5: you? yeah. Yeah, okay. I also so. have a friend who has an awesome vegan sushi restaurant in San Fran. Awesome, awesome. And Whereabouts? A Give it a plug. It in a plug. San Francisco. Oh, I can't remember the name. I'm going to be in trouble now. I'll oh, look it up during the break. Okay? Okay. (laughs) We'll we'll, we'll
1: do that. I will now consult what is allegedly a running sheet here. As you can tell, we've gone
5: completely away from (laughs) any of the
1: questions that you people were prepared for. That was part of my plan all along.
5: We suspected.
1: Okay. Uh, Round the table then, starting with you, Elisha. Your best Penrith experience ever. Best ever? Yep.
2: It's tough. I mean... Um, Penrith is tough, yeah. Yeah, oh, we're we're all tough out here. Well, I own a house <laughs> out here now, so hopefully that becomes one of them.
1: Okay. Yeah, I own a house. You in are Cranebrook. actually. Oh, you actually bought a hu- piece of Penrith. Oh.
2: So hopefully that's my best experience. I'm in the Cranbrook part of Cranbrook, so it's not the crime part of Cranbrook. You know what I mean? I, yeah, I yeah. do. I so, haven't heard
1: to it. That, that's, a <laughs> that's a thing. That's a thing. Yeah, that's yeah, a thing. Yeah. Is so it? Crimebrook.
2: Yeah, that's a thing. But I'm hopefully not in that part of it. What crimes um, have you committed? none yet so hopefully okay. I'm not in that part of it Right. although just anecdotally the other day the police were conducting a drug raid on a street in Cr- Cranebrook not Cranebrook Cranebrook and they were out the front of a house and another car pulled up at the next door neighbour's house and the guy got out of the front seat of the car Obviously hiding something in his underpants
4: was
1: was one of the mate, I, 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 can, I can
2: I can picture that. Yes, <laughs> in, the, in the obvious hiding in yeah. your underpants Obviously, gesture, yes, which is yes. in, which was inferring that he wasn't wearing any other clothing. And then he ran into his house, and then the police were like, "I'm going to call that reasonable suspicion." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and went into the house and, and and nabbed him for drugs, steroids, a sawn-off shotgun, and a bow and arrow.
5: So, All in his underpants? I don't know. Does that?
2: Have, <laughs> no, no. This is a pretty That's big underpants. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's in his house. But whatever is hiding in his pants was one of the things.
0: So he's driving around though, just in his undies. Yeah, yeah. He got out of his car with just undies on, hiding something from the police.
1: So your advice really here is to actually wear wear, wear actual, more clothes. Wear more yeah. clothes. Yeah, yeah. Wear This is the important thing that you are hearing about here on the Public House <laughs> Forum. <laughs> we will be back. After the break. (laughs) Oh, well, this all seems to be going okay so far. The Public House Forum is very much an experiment. As you may have guessed, though, from the numeral one appearing on the Eventbrite page and the hashtag, there may be more Public House Forums. If you have a suggestion for a public house that might be suitable for a public house forum, or if you have a suggestion for someone you'd like to hear from on the panel, doesn't matter whether they're famous or not, just as long as they're interesting, for the full gamut of meanings that the word interesting can mean, do let me know. you know where to find me. Anyway, back to the action. This is the 9pm Edicts Public House Forum being recorded at the Australian Arms Hotel in Penrith on a very sunny Saturday afternoon. And uh, well, the questions from here on in, more or less, are those who... Those which... Those who... Those that... Questions which am being asked. askedified by asking from people with questionification of... The 9 p.m. urgent hardware refresh, which did pay for all of the things that are equipment and drinks on this table. Thank you very much. And some of the people involved in that also ask questions to be asked of the forum here. Mick Fong has uh, posed the following question: What should the house wine be? Shiraz, Cab Sav, Merlot, Chard, Sauv Blanc, Riesling,
2: and should it change based? on the season, Elisha. I'm extremely easy to please when it comes to alcohol. I don't really drink a whole lot of wine so I would say the most important thing would be for the house wine to be the most expensive wine. <laughs> oh! Yeah. So then, because it's usually done in a deal with some sort of meal so whichever the most expensive one is then you're getting the best deal when you get the meal and wine added. <laughs> I
5: like best deal for
2: the pub? Yeah, well, best deal for us.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Oh! Because the deal most pub. expensive, yeah, <laughs> terrible deal for the pub but great for us. Okay, Jennifer.
0: Well, because I know nothing about alcohol, uh, you may as well just do them randomly in alphabetical order and change them each month. Right. So we start off, start off with absinthe? Yeah, why not? Um. <laughs> that might be interesting. Your you, you return punters what will have with an interesting absinthe. experience. What's a
1: beer? What, beer starts with, what else starts with a Bourbon. 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 Yes, I suppose. Yeah. Bailey's. Bailey's. Nice suggestion, Cap. Nice suggestion, Cap. Beaujolais. Kat. Beaujolais. House The House Beaujolais. <laughs> house Beaujolais. <laughs> yes, I think that works, Carl. It seems to be a common
3: theme here. I'm not much of a wine drinker myself. I tend
1: to... I have to... chosen this panel very poorly. Well... I mean...
4: <laughs> <laughs> It's I not think. to say I
1: don't drink wine. I'll,
3: I'll I'll happily engage with others, but I don't actually even pay attention to what it is that I'm drinking. I'm not I'm not even sure if I like a sweet wine or or, or, a, or a dry wine. Like I just I just drink what what's given to me and enjoy it to a reasonable level, but not so much that I decide I want to be a wine drinker. I think that's
2: the very definition of the house wine, isn't it? Yeah, you really don't fussed just what it really is. Just <laughs> just, yeah. I'll, I'll just have wine. I have the wine that I'm given. <laughs> yeah.
1: That's
3: that's pretty much it.
1: Carl's up for it. You can chill here. Okay. Don't
5: you? Um okay Kat, I, I am a wine drinker. Right, like, <laughs> finally finally
1: someone with a bit of sense. And I
5: don't yeah, I don't usually choose the house wine because I don't actually know what it means by house wine. Is it, you know, you just got a cr- huge crate of it out the back and you're trying to get rid of it? Well, Are you trying to promote somebody's wine? What is it? Well, see,
1: that can be. I mean, house wine is if just someone says, oh, "I'll have a red wine," that's what you get. It's right. it's it's what you get if you don't specifically look at the wine list and ask what it is.
5: Yeah, no, I would just look at the wine list and see what's good. Mm.
1: What's good for you? What's
5: you? Um, I I like quite a lot of the Hunter Valley reds. I'm a member of one of the wineries there. Oh yes, yes. It makes me Can you sound. you remember their name? Yes, Briar Ridge. Right. Makes me sound much more like. Briar Ridge. Oh. <laughs> they they just have the nicest place if you want to go on a Saturday and do wine tasting. Okay. That's how I choose my wine. Nice place to sit outside. Um, but yeah, I love reds, love a lot of different reds, a bit more picky about my whites. But
1: Well, our second question, and this is from an anonymous uh, contributor to this uh, podcast, thank you very much, I'm slurring and mumbling there, but it's not because I've been drinking excessively, obviously, because it's very early in the afternoon and uh, one last drink responsibly. The question is, craft beer, why? <laughs> <laughs> Kat, we'll start with you, we'll go the other way around the panel.
5: Because it's better than VB?
1: <sighs> yeah, but dried vomit is better than beer. <laughs> <laughs> right, no, okay, that's it, Carl. I,
3: I mean, I've enjoyed a few craft beers, and it's, it's one of those things that maybe it's just the way it's marketed that you decide. Well, it has to be better than the beer on tap or the normal beer like that you buy everywhere. So maybe it's just your brain doing a little trick, saying, "Well, this is really delicious." There is a
1: psychological thing like that, right? It's it's called um, affective priming. If you tell someone that what they're about to drink is the best thing they've ever tasted, and suddenly it's much better.
3: I mean, and, and this is true. However, I will say that there's a, there's a particular um, establishment in in the wonderful town of Bathurst. Um, uh, here which we is go. called the Web Co, If we're going to promote promote No, oh, places, wait,
1: this is plug fest
3: heaven. <laughs> <laughs> it's only opened in the last eighteen months or so, and it's 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 a deli- wonderful. I mean, speaking of wine, they, they market themselves as a wine bar, but but the craft beers they have on tap there are quite wonderful. So I don't know, maybe craft beer is a thing, and it is really just better than the, the ordinary beer.
1: I'm starting to detect that a uh, field trip to Bathurst is. Uh, something that really should be on the agenda. The
3: Web and Co is a wonderful place. There's, there's many establishments in Bathurst. I can could, I could <laughs> take you around them and... <laughs> just the Web & Co. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. There's, there's the, the, the many wonderful cafes and the, the, I mean, the pubs in general. Wonderful places, wonderful.
1: Just come to Bathurst. Ginevra, <laughs> should we just skip over you again or do you have uh, something no, because... scathing and insulting to say about craft beer?
0: No, because it's craft like, it's part of the whole craft revival of sewing and knitting and all that sort of crap. Ah, yes. Tell
1: from, us more. Tell us more about from the an, craft revival.
0: From a person. So you're not dealing with a corporation. You're not dealing with decision-making that you can't even see why. It's not like the Nest Cafe where they just suddenly changed the formula or whatever that was that they were talking about. It's where you have a feeling there's a real person or a smallish group of people behind it. It's what the, the Bespoke thing is talking about on ABC.
1: This is, uh, yes, Marcus yeah. Westbury's brilliant program, Bespoke, on the ABC, <laughs> which I haven't watched, but I have to say it's brilliant because otherwise that story about the will come you. out. No, no, <laughs> no, Marcus, no shit. That's the, that's the problem. Um, yes. <laughs> Yes, yes, I yeah. The, we were refused service at that establishment, and so, it's, like, it's very, it's very complicated. But I'm sure Marcus's television program is lovely. Elijah, please save
2: me uh, from myself. I was thoughts. actually going to say something similar. I oh, think yeah. it's just about supporting small business, isn't it? Yeah. Just it's mums and dads out there having a go. Probably not mums and dads making craft beer, but you know, <laughs> I don't know. I, some of those people might have okay. managed to breed. Someone yeah. might have
1: might have taken pity on these craft brewers and looked at them. Bet, oh yeah, they? I suppose a bit shack, that. <laughs>
2: Someone has to. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Is that how you drink craft beer? So I suppose I better drink it because they put so much effort into that. Uh, It's full of love. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. They they also
5: have better names. Well, that's true
1: too, isn't it? Yes. What's your favourite craft beer name? They're putting you on the spot.
5: Oh, oh. Make one up.
1: I don't know. We'll edit this bit out.
5: Bee's Knees. That's not even craft now, is it? It used to be a good one. (laughs) But yeah, just anything that's just not. The the normal boring. Excellent. Yeah, that was crap, wasn't it? (laughs) Yeah, it was, so we better
1: go to a break. You're listening to the Public House Forum. We'll be back in a moment. Here is uh, Nicholas Fryer with the Arch Window.
4: September has come, and with it, the only season named after a piece of bent wire. It's the time of year for cleaning, for airing out moist crevices and wiping the mould from the shower screen of life. Over the better part of a year, my goodness, I've spent quite a bit of time peering through this window, poking fun at the current state of Australian politics, trying to work out how we, as a nation, managed to elect to the office of Prime Minister the sort of man who would check the sandwich fillings in your lunchbox to make sure that you weren't having anything nicer than he was. For the last couple of outings, I've been laughing mostly at myself and at my host, who has amply demonstrated that one need not be a fan of sport to be a very good one indeed. But surely I've now exhausted whatever humour there ever was in using five-dollar words to call an old friend a scruffy, smelly, sexual monster. It's time for a new start. Now, a beginning is the time for taking the most delicate care that the balances are correct, as the Bene Gesserit amongst you already know. There are some things, once begun in a certain way, that can never be made right. This is true of sentences. Sometimes it only takes two or three words for the situation to be irretrievable. Notoriously, every sentence ever started with the words Florida man is doomed to end with a phrase along the lines of eats neighbor's automobile or sets fire to own prostate. No sentence ever launched with the words, Andrew Bolt, ever edified anything. Any utterance setting sail with high-profile televangelist, synchronised swimming legend, advertising industry commentator, and countless others, is a signal to start drinking heavily, lest you end up keening and beating the cat, which is not a euphemism. There are other beginnings that have the potential to lead to almost anything, There's nothing like watching the tender, dewy optimism to be seen on the face of almost any member of the government front bench, as he haltingly feels his way through the opening words of his first sentence of the day. It's like being a parent at a school play. There's the feeling of relief as he reaches the middle of the sentence without declaring war on somebody, the little wince as he stumbles over the pronunciation of subhuman, and the surprise if he reaches the full stop, still speaking English. By the way, any non-Australians wondering at my confident use of the masculine pronoun there is invited to look up the current ministry. The number of women in senior government positions can be counted on the finger of one hand, even while that hand is making a very rude gesture indeed. What's true of a sentence is true of any human enterprise, and certainly of a human life. My own zygotic existence, I deduce by a process of subtraction, commenced one English winter's day in 1968, in a coupling between the people I was later pleased to call my mother and my father. There's no doubt at all about the accuracy of those labels. Of my mother's involvement, there's ample evidence in the form of contemporaneous records. As for my father's, one glance at a photo of him in midlife settles the question. There is the angular nose like some ancient stone-cutter's tool, dominating a long face, all planes and angles. The same face I see every time I pick up a comb to part the baling wire that I use in place of hair. A gift from my mother. It's impossible to contemplate the scene of my conception without being aware of the potential for comedy. For one thing, there's the discrepancy of physical type. The northern angularity of my father was not confined to his face until age and a lifelong relationship with the drink so well-named stout rounded off his corners. He was a six-foot grasshopper of a man, no more than ten stone in his sagging Y-fronts. My mother, by contrast, was a full twelve inches shorter. On that chilly day, then, these two disparate people came together to form me. If they did, in fact, come together, my instinct is to say that it was probably the last time that they were in agreement on any matter of importance.' Though my younger sister might have cause to quibble with that assessment. In any event, in my mental image, the requisite coupling necessarily involved a degree of awkward fumbling about in that tiny double bed of theirs, my father's elbow or knee ending up in my mother's nostril, before they got themselves squared away, settled into the rhythm. Regardless of which of them ended up doing most of the work, simple geometry suggests that his feet spent much of the time sticking out of the end of the bed, his toes, whether upturned or down, turning blue in the cold night air, and it is to that that I attribute my own appalling circulation and freezing feet. All of my life, new lovers have invited me into their beds with at least some level of enthusiasm, only to yelp and demand that I get out and go and put my socks back on. Wait, how did we end up here? Ah, yes, new beginnings. It's time for one, but it'll have to be next time. Because for this one, I've reached the end. Oh, except to say that I hope the pub gig is going well.
1: Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. This is the 9pm Edicts Public House Forum being recorded at the Australian Arms Hotel in Penrith. Panellists, we have some serious questions coming up now. From Bjorgen Drifeldroff, which, (laughs) don't laugh, that's his name. I've actually reworded Bjorgen's question here because it went on for fucking forever. Um, Are things getting worse? People say they are. There's always talk of crime waves and wars and violence and what have you. But the actual statistics, the t-ticks, are that we're actually safer ...than ever before in human history. Crime is going down, health is up, quality of life is up, at least in Western nations. But when it comes to politics in Australia, have our politicians always been such ignorant, self-serving, backwards-looking numpties? He says he's tried very hard to get that polite. And we're just becoming aware of it as as we go on. Or as... Uh, oh, look, I'm over the question. Basically, the question is... <laughs> the question is, the question is are things getting worse or getting better? Um, well,
2: better for some people and worse for others.
1: Okay. Better for um, whom, worse for whom? Well, uh, no, I tried whom? to use
2: an example just given my reporting in Western Sydney. Uh, the, um, the thing
1: I, I must say, you've actually made some notes. I've made some notes, yeah. Yeah.
2: So I sat down and thought about things for a couple of minutes. That's probably taking it too far, but yeah, yeah, it is. yeah. Um, <laughs> okay, sorry about that. Look, you've gone to a lot of always, trouble here. We so always, we always basically, well, we always rave those. about the ice epidemic, right? At the moment, that's the big oh, thing. Oh, don't give me started. Exactly, exactly. So the ice epidemic. You'd think things are getting worse, but from my reporting in Western Sydney, it's pretty clear that the ice epidemic is actually just people who used to use heroin now's you, now. You now use ice because it's cheaper. That's essentially what's caused the ice epidemic. But we didn't have a heroin epidemic like two years ago. It was more like a decade ago, if at all. And so I think in some ways things are not getting better or worse. They're just, we call them different things.
1: They're different. I mean, I I will say about the the so-called ice epidemic that Mm. if you look at the figures that the uh, Bureau of Crime Statistics and Research uh, produces, Mm. that they're really seeing the level much the same consumption for the last 10 years. And as you say, it's just a shift and change in terms of what drugs are available on the
2: market? And there would be... uh, There would be... There are increases in the crimes associated with ICE, but there is also a lot more police looking for crimes associated with ICE. So so if there wasn't an increase, there would be an issue and the police wouldn't be doing their job.
5: You
2: know what I mean? Like, it's, it's just deployment of resource. So I would say things are bad for some people and have been always, and things are getting better for other people. I would say it's just harder... For some people to get from the group that things are going bad for into the group that things are going good for, our society is becoming a little bit split apart. ever are things getting Mm. better or getting worse?
0: I wish I could ask my dad um, because Mm. I can only remember back to about Fraser as a politician and even then that's pretty vague.
1: So we're talking the 1970s.
0: Yeah. So, yes, I think the current politicians do seem a little worse. Yeah. I do Mm -hmm. I also think that the things I thought when I was a child That were settled or nearly settled And were going to continue staying settled Like, you know, support for the UN Convention on Refugees Or some of those international things we've signed up for Um, I thought the second wave of feminism was going to be it And that would be solved Um, I suppose what I'm seeing is that Those things that I thought, yep, we'll continue increasing, getting better in the way we manage our society, in fairness. I'm seeing them pulled back, you know. Oh, you might have to pay a Medicare level. Oh, you might not be able to go to university at all because, you know, you were going to charge your fee. Like, I think the way the government is just tossing ideas out, not having thought them through perhaps beforehand, and is just saying, oh, we could do this, we could do this, and you suddenly see, well, no, nothing was settled we're going to have to start again.
3: I think it's um, it's really a deeper sort of philosophical um, question. Well, in you many would, respects. wouldn't you? I would, I would. <laughs> I think, I mean, I don't think things are necessarily getting better or worse per se. I think what is getting worse is there's this whole, I guess, individualist, capitalist notion is almost coming to its fullness in, in, in recent times, I think. I think it's, its conclusions are being met. I think people, as a result, in some quarters, are becoming more and more selfish, more and more worrying about themselves or, or their tribe or, or, you know, or, or whatever, their local sort of area. Um, but without any thought of, for the other, Like you know, I mean, the, the, the failure of the whole carbon tax rhetoric... I think is, is is a perfect sign of that because in that it was basically you're going to have to pay a little bit more in order to save the planet and everyone went nah thanks I'll have my uh, extra five bucks a week or whatever it works out to be probably less um, and yet I'd also think that there's a sort of a, a rising rejection of this whole nonsense I think it's coming through in, in my generation a bit people that haven't quite you know they've got their fancy degrees with their letters after their names and they've gone to look for jobs and they're now working as teachers because that was all they could get. Well, there was no jobs in the area they wanted, or, or even worse, they're still working in retail or something, you know. Which, for somebody who's gone with these big dreams and have had to fall, I mean, it's not to say anything bad about people working in retail, but. No, it's,
1: I was about to
3: say. No, no, no. But if you've got these big visions and big dreams and the whole system, this, this wine you're sold just blows up in your face. Well, I mean, it, you start to think mm, maybe there's something to this. Line that's actually not true. And so, yeah, no, I think there's, a, there's an emerging consciousness of sorts that people are starting to question this, this, this individual capitalist, I
1: mean, lie, I guess, yeah. Kat, you started off nodding to that and now you're grimacing.
5: I just have, I was thinking that um, politically, I definitely think things are worse. Um, but I think <clears throat> outside politics, I think there's a lot more, there's a lot more people. Making things, making changes, taking initiatives themselves. Um, there's a lot more community level change that happens. Um, and then things like I, I'm in permaculture, and there's you know there's a whole lot of people who are ripping up their backyards and growing their own food and reconnecting with where their food comes from and stuff like that. And so it's kind of like people have gone, yeah, screw the politicians, they're not going to make the changes we need, we're just going to go and do it ourselves. Well, I must say
1: that compared to 10 years ago, there's more people I know that have got chooks in the backyard and a veggie patch and all of those things, and I can see people in the audience nodding along with that.
2: Yeah, I know a lot more people who are more conscious of those kind of things as well too. Um, like conscious of the machine that makes our food and like let's just actually see our food from beginning to end. Maybe that is a more healthy way to live. Well, it's, it's one of my things. When I am Tsar of Australia, um, all Any day now, any day.
1: Any day it's going to happen, obviously. Um, all television advertising for a product will actually have to show the entire product from beginning to end so none of this kind of happy cows in the field and then burgers being flipped right like none of this there's there's like a key element there which they keep skipping over yeah. but so
5: no little guy with a fishing rod and a tiny boat floating around getting one fish out at a time yeah and suddenly <laughs> and then it's suddenly, sushi you yeah. know,
1: or or it's canned tuna because no one like.
5: would be doing that at all john west
1: <laughs> no, no, and that's it. I think the entire process needs to be shown from beginning <clears throat> to end, along with
2: that bit, as the Simpsons pointed out, which is called bovine university. <laughs> can I can I float a theory on the politician's angle of that question itself? Absolutely. And see if people agree. Um, like, so I'm too young to know, I suppose, the longer history of Australian politics, or experience it. I can read about it, but I can't know it. But um, I think... The political sphere has become more disconnected, and that 's what we talk about when we say bad politicians we just we mean politicians that aren 't connected to what we think and feel, so do you think that is the reason why they 're bad politicians because they 're in their own bubble a bit more than they used to be because the media is also in that bubble well, it, and the yeah, people well, who sh- lobby are in that bubble and they don 't have to talk to us yeah i,
1: I 'm pausing mm. just because there's you know armed police coming through the pub at the moment while we're recording. I don't think it's anything to do with us. They're they're smiling, they're just... Probably his lunch break. (laughs) I was about to say, even even cops have got to have lunch, right? Yeah, Yeah, someone, they need
2: a drink too. The cop shop's just up the road, it's probably lunch.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, the quick swig from the goon before you get back in the car and, you know... Check check people's visa. Yeah. (laughs) we'll continue (laughs) where were we before we were really interrupted by politicians politicians and the media
2: there's a political class that are in their own bubble and that's why they're worse at their job
1: absolutely and you know you hear that all the time about you know it's just the Canberra thing isn't it and and Mm. all of the the political reporting is about the games in Canberra and I've you know, being guilty of that myself, obviously.
0: Um, But I think it's also because now with the internet we can hear what other people are thinking. So that before it was just the media presenter division and we kind of sat isolated and went, maybe I don't believe this, but anyhow, now we can all chat with each other over Twitter or Facebook or whatever the thing is and see, no, we... So the politicians do feel like they're in much more of a bubble because we're getting the sound of everyone else. Well, on that topic mm. of um, the
1: changing style of politics, Garth Kidd um, asked about the, uh, uh, the, the concept of people pulling up the ladder after themselves. So have we got a, a generation of, of people, politicians perhaps, perhaps others who you know, now that they're all right... You know, they're changing the rules so they're protected, but others can't follow the same path. Now, in politics, uh, we've got that, that most of our current top level of political leadership had, for example, free university under the the system that was there in the 1970s, and no Mm. longer is that the case. Uh, and we had, you know, Pauline Hanson the other day, the uh, the person who knows everything about uh, multicultural Australia and therefore must be consulted on breakfast television when anything happens connected with immigration. Channel 7, you lazy, useless bastards. God, you know... I mean, I said this on Twitter the other day. Sorry, I'm going on a bit of a rant now. But I did say this on Twitter the other day. How useless a television producer would you have to be sunrise on 7 to think... Oh, yeah, let's get Pauline Hanson in to talk about this. You know, I mean, just how dumb and useless a television producer would you have to be? About 10. About 10? About 10 useless, yeah. 10 useless, 10, yeah. Useless. Ten <laughs> yeah. useless, yeah. Maybe even 11 useless. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I think right it's up to 11. Useless up to 11, <laughs> absolutely. It's pretty
2: bad. <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly. Um, but she pointed out in her wisdom that she had spoken to a Vietnamese taxi driver who said, no, nah, we don't want these refugees here. I mean, that's the same thing, isn't it? That's the pulling up the, yeah. uh, the thing. Do, we, do you see that in, in this western part of Sydney, which you are, of course, the instant expert on because that's what you report on? Oh, yeah. Abs- living, no, in, yeah, absolutely. Get, it's true. You, yeah?
2: it's, I think that's, that's the nature of class. I think if you manage to graduate to the next one, you get comfortable and forget what it was like to be in the one below it. And I think that's universal and always has been. Um, I think if you're looking for a, a picture of it, the, the movie that came out in 2013, Snowpiercer.
1: Snowpiercer? Yeah, yeah,
2: if you look it up, it's really good. It's about... Um, it's a post-apocalyptic explanation of what happens in class warfare if the someone from the lower class break through to the top class and then actually has the decision to... whether Do I help more people get here or do I cut them off and enjoy all the fruits of it by myself? and um, it's a little bit more dramatic and gory than that, but it's a really good movie because I think that, sh- that talks about what our human nature is. Once we enjoy something, we want more of it, and if we want to have more of it, then cutting other people off from it's a great way to do it. You're frowning. Cam.
5: Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's always been people like that, but there's also plenty of people who aren't like that, I mean, particularly with the refugee crisis. I mean, I fa- my family had to leave a war-torn country. It was Rhodesia. In Africa, and um, we call
1: it Zimbabwe these days. It's it Zimbabwe now, then, yeah. but
5: it was, well, I was. And it was mm. ugly. And it, it, was, was really it was ugly. We left really quickly. Um, they, you know, there was no time to, to sell off stuff, and I mean, my parents just gave it all to mm. the local um, African guys and just got that. But we were really lucky because, you know, they were. English-born, they had the choice of going to England. Dad got a job in Australia last minute. But there are a lot of people who didn't have that choice and there's a lot of people in the world who don't have that choice. And I am not the last person to, to try and stop other people having what I had. I think it's just, like, astounding that people can be so lacking in compassion and memory, apparently. <sighs> Carl, is this something
1: deep in the human spirit that we're I th- observing here? I think it is. I think
3: something about who we are and what we do is that we as default are motivated by fear and we we always act out of that fear unless we're sort of helped along to to not act that way not challenged and and um you know made to think in a different way there's i mean it's the great line that goes all the way throughout the centuries is the choice between fear and love and I mean you see you see the, the best of society and the best of humanity when people are acting out of love, I think even at some deep level the, the way we 've all responded to this image in the, the um, of this child in in Turkey you know that's that 's a response of love because at our core, I think we are loving people, but as life gets a bit hard, we start to act out of fear and I think, I think that sort of plays out with everybody in you know just because somebody i, I mean you, you sent us a link to something you wrote a few weeks ago about the the, um, the people on the train, and, and, and they're that, yeah, yeah, that, yeah. that was a really nice little sort of example of well, it. Well, I'll
1: tell that story, yeah, that was, it was a beautiful, like an afternoon like this, it was a sunny Saturday afternoon, and I was on the train, and a, and a whole bunch of Turkish Australian women were returning with their kids from whatever the day out had been, and you know the kids were like kids are at the end of one of those long sunny days. They had a billion tons of energy left to burn, and these women were quite frankly exhausted and just wanted to go home. And I got talking to them as you do on a train, and and we were talking about that universal nature of kids and their infinite energy, uh, and about what was happening, and. They were heading back to Auburn, and we got talking about Auburn, and then they just said, "Oh, yeah, it's, it, it used to be really nice, but it's it's not anymore. There are all these Chinese and Vietnamese now, and <laughs> <laughs> it's,
3: it's exactly it though. It's yeah. it's
1: this. I mean, because as soon as we start acting
3: out of any kind of sense of fear, it, it immediately becomes fear of the other, whoever that other happens to be. Mm. I mean, the. I mean, you, you've got. I mean, you've t- told everyone I'm a seminarian. The, The story that always strikes me from the scriptures is that notion of the Good Samaritan, which everyone's been talking about this week again with this child. But it's very much a story at its core about you know who is the other and who, and who is my neighbour? And it's breaking down that barrier of, of other and making them neighbour. Yes, like, people
1: seem to forget that the whole point of that story is that the Samaritans were the most ultimately despised people. Well, that's
3: it, they were the outsider and they were the ones that were acting out of love. You know, that was the... Versus, you know, an obsession with the law is the, is the story in itself. But it, but it is this question of who is my neighbour? And when we act out of fear, my neighbour is whoever I can... You know, who looks the same as me and thinks the same as me is the culturally the same as me. But when we're acting out of love, it suddenly becomes, you know, so many more people with so much to teach us and, and, and give us experiences and that are really good. So.
1: well in a way this kind of slides into the final question which is from uh Rizal Snark, which is why are we unable to deal with any kind of complexity in public discussions about issues anything except the binary opposites which obviously I will add to that as as the the explanatory question i mean are we really that stupid and who is to blame <laughs> are we that stupid and who is to blame i mean
3: i think i think part of the way we are that stupid because We allow ourselves to get so distracted by this. I mean, going back to my first answer, this capitalist dream, this working towards something.
1: This new pope's really got (laughs) to this guy, hasn't he?
3: (laughs) (laughs) But no, we're working towards some, you know, some project, some whatever it is, and we forget to. We start to forget everything else that's happening and so when it comes to questions of complexity it's far easier for for politicians to just give us to us in you know three word sound bites because well then we don't have to do so much thinking we can either you know respond well yes or we can respond no and so you get these really huge divisions and it's as much a problem on the left as it is on the right i must say because the left can overly simplify some issues too in order to in order to you know not actually deal with the complex issues at play cash.
5: I think it's definitely that way in the media and in the politics. It drives me crazy um, because the people only want 10 second sound bites when they talk to you so you're not allowed to have any kind of well it kind of works like that but you're not allowed to have that. You've got to have this is the way it is and this is the way it's got to go and it just I mean I, in, in the world um, that I work it's not you know there is no good guy and bad guys in Tuna World. There's, <laughs> I mean you know. Tuna you know, World? <laughs>
1: Because This is the world's lamest know, theme it park, is, isn't it? It's tuna. No, come on. <laughs> World
0: tastiest theme park. World's, <laughs> world's
1: tastiest theme park from the audience, yes.
5: Yeah, I mean, You're going to
1: battle against that one, obviously.
5: Yeah, exactly. Leave the tuna alone. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Leave but, the tuna yeah. alone! Yeah. Won't someone think of the tuna? <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. But... Uh, OK, oh, gee, the vegetarians are getting restless. We need to calm down but, but you're right, it, it's very difficult to get that whole nuanced feel about, uh, you know, fishing good or bad. You have yep. five seconds. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: I think, though, th- one of the reasons that we're not thinking kind of calmly and being able to see multiple points of view is because a lot of, I think the politicians and I think the media are increasing... Are fear, Like, they're, they're talking about... I mean, I'll go to a newspaper and you read a headline and it's some horrible thing happens and then you click in and you go, in somewhere in the outer US I've never heard of. Mm. Okay. Like, we're seeing so many scary images and talked about and, yes, the politicians are quite keen on having things that will make us feel we need to go to war or something like that. So I think with the background of fear, it's harder and harder to think calmly and sensibly.
2: I think it's possible to have a complex conversation. It's just harder, so it's simpler to avoid it. Um, And also, there's more vested interests that would prefer us not to have a complex conversation. So it's easier for a vested interest to push mining tax yes or no towards no than it is to push it towards here's a way we could make it work possibly if you will pull these different threads frab- together and make it work together. It's easiest to go, no, for a vested interest. And I think vested interest control a lot of our public discussion. Um, <clears throat> on another level, I also think it's... Um, we don't like to confront our own insecurities and selfishness. So, public discussion about tax, it might actually be helpful for us to discuss landowning and the current state of how people get into the housing market as a way to help us solve our tax problem through you know negative gearing or old people with their superannuation accounts they don't get taxed on. But that would then ask them to confront their selfishness. So it's easier just to push towards no than have a complex discussion about there might be a way to make this work so that everyone's happy, but it's easier just to say no. I
1: want to end on that's... Sorry, I, course, I, no. That was that was exactly the yeah. point. That's exactly the point, isn't it? I, I wanted to end on a, a positive note. Not that that wasn't a positive note, <laughs> no, but no, no. I, I it's did, pretty sad. <laughs> I did ask you all to. Uh, <laughs> I did ask you all to uh, suggest a way in which the world is getting better that we often overlook. Did you actually do that bit? Quick nods. I yes. Did, is everyone ready to answer that? Okay, from around the table.
2: Around the table, from my left to right. A way the world is getting better, oops, sorry. A way the world is getting better that's often overlooked is I think the world is overall a healthier place than it used to be because um, we have great advancements in medical technology um, and we often ignore them or don't think about the ways that we can use them better, which is a way that it's getting worse and not overlooked, and it is overlooked. Like we have all these advances that we don't spread, but at the same time we do have them, which is a great thing that we should celebrate more to, like, sort of advance the cause of using them, I think.
0: Um, I can get a magazine in less than three months. I can actually read it on the internet today.
2: <laughs> okay,
1: one, one round of applause there from the audience. I think it's... Um,
3: the internet has made it so that we have to look at each other. We have to see each other's worlds now. And it's not just, you know, the rich having to see the world of the poor, but the poor also get to actually see how the rich are living. And it's forcing us all to actually have some really difficult conversations in the world that we might have easily happily not had in the past, so I think the internet has really really made that a lot sharper and, and yeah brought things along
5: so the health and the, inter- the health and the connected thing's been stolen um, <laughs> 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 um, I mean yeah, I definitely think there 's a more more connectedness now globally i mean i have i mean partly because of my job, I have friends all over the world, but because of the internet, I can keep connected with those people. You know, you don't leave a country and then never speak to someone again. You can keep in contact. So that for me, for a personal side of it, that's definitely more connected.
1: Excellent. Well, we have come to a clear conclusion here at uh, the very first public house forum. Uh, the internet is good, rather than bad. So I'm glad <laughs> we sold that. Will you please thank our panel? Elisha Pearce, <laughs> Ginevra Martin, Carl Sinclair and Dr Kat Dory. Well, that was the very first 9pm Edict Public House Forum. Would you like there to be another one? Well, get in touch. Tell us what you thought. Uh, Suggest a public house that we could invade. Suggest people who could be on the panel. They needn't be famous. Uh, They just need to be interesting for some value of interesting. The next episode of the 9pm Edict will probably be this uh, coming weekend because I've really got to plough through all of the stuff that you've asked me to do as part of the 9pm Hardware Refresh. Until then, I'm still have a great life.
0: The 9pm Edict is a Skank Media production. Sorry.